and welcome to the One Degree Shift podcast. I'm your host, Eric Termundi, and I'm excited to introduce you to the wonderful guests I've got on season two and the little things they're doing to create a more intentional future for themselves, for their teams, and for the communities around them. I hope you enjoy. Clint Pulver, thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift podcast. How are you today? I'm good, Eric. Thanks for having me on the show, dude. Man, I've been excited for this chat for quite some time now. I'm talking to a drummer extraordinaire, an undercover millennial, an Emmy Award winner, a backwards hat wearing all around cool dad, cool guy, uh, someone I'm proud to be friends with. Uh, Clint, what are you up to? What are you most excited about right now? Yeah, dude, life is good. It's busy. It's a little stressful. Uh, We're launching a new book into the world, so... Uh, I've definitely learned it's something I will never do again. <laughs> <laughs> Famous me. last words. Yeah. 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 And then everyone's like, oh, you say that now. No, I'm, right. I'm serious. I, I don't know <laughs> if I'll ever do this again. Yeah, dude. And, uh, kid, kiddos are, are doing great. We had a little baby just uh, two months ago and she was in the NICU and yeah. that wasn't a fun experience. Then we all got COVID and then we decided to launch a book into the world. So it's been a little <laughs> bit of a roller coaster, uh, to be honest, but we're still alive. So that's cool. And I'm- and, Is is it safe to say that you that you love it here where you're at right now? <laughs> I do love it. I do love it here. It is it is good, man. It's a good time to be alive, and we've got a lot to be grateful for. So, for those who didn't uh, didn't catch that, the title of your book, Clint, is "I Love It Here." Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, tell me, where is here, and what do you love about it? In context to the book specifically, uh, there's a reason why I titled it "I Love It Here." So for the last uh, almost five years, I have worked as the undercover millennial. It's kind of like undercover boss without the makeup. Mm-hmm. And I would go undercover into an organization as a millennial. I am a millennial and would wear my backwards hat, normal t-shirt. I would look literally how I look today. And I would walk into uh, an organization. I would go up to the first person that I saw and I would say, hey, I'm just curious. What's it, what's it like to work here? I'm just thinking about applying. And then they, mm-hmm. you know, they look around <laughs> and then they tell me everything, everything, the good, uh-huh. the bad, what they hate, mm-hmm. what they don't love, what they do love. And the magic of all of that research was found when an employee would look at me and I'd ask the question, what's it like to work here? And they would respond with, I love it here. Mm-hmm. I love my job. I love who I work with. I, I love our company. I love our culture. Uh, we do something bigger than ourselves. This is a family. You mm-hmm. should apply. Mm-hmm. And then with that would trend from employee to employee to employee to employee. And we looked and we were able to see what those great leaders were doing to create that type of a response. And so, uh, yeah, for, for almost five years, I've worked with 181 organizations and mm-hmm. I've interviewed over 10,000 employees undercover. Wow. Is and there, we, is there like an industry that you've chosen? Is it, is it like, cause I mean, I, I find it quite easy to walk into like, you know, call it a Nordstrom or a Macy's or something like that on, on the retail floor and ask these conversations, you know, it, it, tell me a little bit more about what that looks like when you're looking at different industries and sectors. Yeah. So we've done retail, food and beverage, hospitality, the medical mm-hmm. world, technology, mm-hmm. construction, hospitality. Uh, I don't know if there is an industry that we have not worked in. We've worked in education, yeah. districts, yeah. schools. Yeah. But here's the thing that's really interesting. In all of that research, I could go. So, for example, one of the companies we worked with was Burger King. Mm-hmm. I would go into a Burger King on 6 South and do my undercover research. Mm-hmm. Everyone's dissatisfied. Everyone's, you know, mm-hmm. Turnovers, the revolving door of retention is an issue. And then I would go six blocks down to the next Burger King. Mm-hmm. And it would be a night and day different story. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. So you might have some Macy's that have some high turnover. You might have a Macy's sure. store that actually is killing it. It mm-hmm. just depends. 
There's so mm-hmm. many different intricate factors into what creates a culture that people want to be a part of. So I've got this theory that during the pandemic, we've seen the greatest decentralization of culture that North America has ever seen. And for those who don't intuitively grasp that right away, what I mean by that is that because not all of us are in the 33rd floor of the skyscraper downtown, and we're all in our living rooms or our dining rooms or in our second bedrooms, culture doesn't live necessarily in the office anymore. It lives in the relationships that we have with our managers and our teams. Would you agree with that? So let me, maybe the question that if I'm, if I'm going to ask directly, where does the culture at Burger King live? Because Burger King can have the mission vision values on the, on the, on the wall, right? Uh, It can have these unifying components, certainly, but you're telling me that one restaurant will have wildly different culture than the next. So, so then where does culture live and how responsible is the leader for the culture of their team? I think it's the number one factor still, even to this day, even, even the research that we conducted during COVID-19 leadership always matters because again, mm-hmm. leadership, you are the, you are the director, you, you are the yeah. one that is in control. You cannot control your employees, even though mm-hmm. so many leaders try to do that, you can only control yourself. Mm-hmm. And so when great leaders learned how to do that and do that well, in a way that we, we call it mentorship, I call it mentorship, mm-hmm. not, not leadership. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't management. Mm-hmm. I think usually when we talk about like leadership in a, in a company, we talk about managers or we talk about leaders. Yeah. What's sure. the difference? Yeah. And for me, employees did not, when they, when they were dissatisfied with their job, they talked about the manager. Mm-hmm. But when they loved their job, they talked about the mentor. Mm. And again, management and leadership, it's the number one reason why people stay. It's the number sure. one reason why people leave. And so when somebody could add, gain the, the, the title of mentorship, it was the most mm-hmm. powerful. Why? Because mentorship is not a position. Like a leader, for example, you're the CEO, mm-hmm. you're the director, mm-hmm. you're the administrator. You're the person that stands in the front and you direct everybody. You're at the front of the ship. This is the direction. You're trying sure. to get people to follow you. Yeah. Manager, they're the ones that are, that, are, that are trying to make sure the ship moves swiftly through the water, and making sure there's no leaks in the water. How do we, how do we get there quicker and faster? The yeah. mentor, they're the person that is on the ship, making sure that everybody on that ship is taken care of. But it's earned. It mm. is earned. Like you know, any great story, like Luke Skywalker had Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Mm-hmm. The man. Uh, Rocky, I love, I love Rocky. Yeah. Rocky had Mick. Uh, sure. He had Aladdin, right? These people that they were not necessarily leaders. Mm-hmm. No, they were mentors. Mm-hmm. And the mentorship factor in an organization was always the most powerful thing to witness. And how, and how, and how that leader became the mentor, invited the mentee uh, in, into their heart because they connected to the mentee. It was, it was so cool to see. So 181 organizations, countless leaders within those organizations, something that came from those conversations was strong sense of mentorship. What are the qualities? What is, what is the awareness that these leaders need to have in order to become better mentors or to improve that experience with their people? Yeah. So if anybody earned the right to be a mentor, Mm -hmm. they had five characteristics. Mm-hmm. because I, it blew me away because I would see the loyalty that they would command. I, I would see the level of engagement and they would mm-hmm. talk about this individual. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, what's so special about this individual? Are mm-hmm. they Superman? Like, like who, like why, why do you listen to them? Why do you mm-hmm. stay for them? Five characteristics. Number one, I call them the five C's of mentorship. Number one, they were confident. Mm-hmm. Confident creates, uh, it's a mindset. It's, it, it creates sure. trust. I'm confident sure. in who I am as a leader and I'm confident mm-hmm. that I can get you to where you want to go. Yep. Number two is credibility. 
that manager had some credibility. Like, okay, I'm the sales manager, but guess what? I was a sales professional for mm -hmm. 17 years. Right. I've done this before. I've sold some cars. I've sold houses. I've got some credibility. It gives me a reason to listen to you. The third C was competence. It's one thing to be able to talk about sales. It's one thing to sit back and bark orders or to even speak mm -hmm. from a place of credibility. It's another thing to be a practitioner. Competence mattered. Uh, number four was candor. They weren't the, the person that was always liked, but they were respected mm -hmm. because they had created relationships so strong right. that honesty could exist. They created sure. a relationship where I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you straight. I love you. I care about I call you. That, but yeah. I call that trust for sure. Yeah, totally. And, 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 yep. and then, the, and then the fifth C is, is caring. They had the ability mm -hmm. to care. True mentorship is not like looking at like, reading a book or watching a guru or you know mm -hmm. going to a conference and listening to somebody that's not mentorship that's learning mm -hmm. true mentorship is when you have a relationship with someone that truly cares about you as an individual they okay. care about your growth they become an advocate not just a developer those five c's mm -hmm. and if i look at anybody that's been a mentor in my life someone that truly exuded mentorship they had those five yeah. characteristics yeah i appreciate that thank you for for sharing now something that comes to mind is that in this pandemic, one thing that I've noticed is that historically trust is earned and then it's like solidified or eroded. But we've seen, I would say a bit of a flip in that trust is given and then it's solidified or eroded because look, you might be working remotely. You might've never even met this person uh, in, in person. Yeah. You're telling me then that this mentorship status title is something that's earned. How do I speed up that process? Or is it something that has to happen naturally? Is it, how do I gain this or earn, earn this status of mentor when I'm in a remote first world? Yeah, again, it, it comes down to who you are and are you giving me a reason as an employee to connect with you? Mm -hmm. Every employee is asking this of their boss. Let me know when it gets to the part about me. Mm -hmm. And some managers and leaders, they hear that and they go, well, those entitled little shining stars in my life. Like, right, you right. You know, and then yeah. we talk about millennials, we talk about all the entitled crap, but it's yeah. not so much about entitlement as it is about good business. Mm. I think too many managers, they're literally, Eric, they're standing in front of a fireplace and they're saying, give me heat, then I'll give you wood. Interesting. Like, and it's stupid. It like, it blows my mind. And so right. again, you need to give them the reason to connect with you. Yeah. Let me know when it gets to the part about me because you are the person mm -hmm. that will connect me to my dreams. That's why mentorship is key. The mentee seeks out the mentor because of who the mentor is. Mm -hmm. You're giving me a reason to connect with you because of who you right. are. Right. Because you have those five C's. Mm -hmm. That's the powerful part that I think we need to play more of. So I'm a leader of hypothetical situation. I'm a leader of uh, five people on my team and yep. everything you're saying sounds awesome. I, I, I want to, I aspire to be those five C's and be the mentor that my team wants me to be for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've got, man, I tell you, I got 300 emails in my inbox. I've had zoom meetings from eight o'clock this morning to five o'clock tonight. I've got two kids that I'm looking to cook dinner for tonight. And the time, I don't know where it's been. I don't know where I've been or where I'm going. Um, what you're saying sounds great. Now, my excuse, I'll put in air quotes for those who can't see, uh, is that I don't have time for this. What, where do I start? Yeah. Uh, we found that great leaders, for the most part, they know what they need to do. 
hands down. Like, you, you know, you, you've got to meet the goals. You've got to get people to work. You've got to get people to be engaged. You need to have a meeting. You need to, like, you know that. You know what you need to do. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. great leaders, the great leaders knew what they needed to stop doing. Mm-hmm. Um, da Vinci said, you know, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Simplify. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us as leaders, we're really good at making the to-do list. You get yep. up in the morning, you know exactly what you need to do. You planned it the night before. Yep. The great leaders, they know how to create a to-don't list. Yep. What are the boundaries? What are the things that you can stop doing that yep. would allow you to give more time? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what do we, what do we do? You know, in, in the morning, Eric, when we wake up, do we, do we grab our, uh, do we grab our, our, our cell phone and start flipping through Instagram and look at the emails and everything that we need to do? Yeah. Or do you turn over to the person next to you and tell them how much you love them? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a simple thing. It's a simple little concept, but, and I, I will say this marriage, marriage is grand. Eric, it really is. Uh, but divorce is about a hundred grand. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and, and so again, the thought is, okay, it's wonderful to have employees. Yeah. You know, you get to scale your business, you get to grow, you're, you're, you're staying more productive. You can make more profit. But you know how much it costs you when they leave? Mm-hmm. You know how much it, you know, and then we expect, we expect to connect. I need yeah. you to be engaged. I need yeah, you to, yeah, yeah. to grow, but you don't give them yeah. time because yeah. you're, you're too busy boiling the ocean. Yeah. So create the to don't list. Start looking at the things you can stop doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't, then, then, then just be used to the revolving door of un- unengaged, disconnected employees. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Clint, that's awesome. The to don't list is, is so good. One of the things that I heard too is to do just a time audit. Um, if we look at our day, uh, every 10 minutes represents about 1% of our time awake in a day for those who are listening. And so, you know, if you were to divide your day into 100 chunks being 1% each, what are you doing with each of those 10 minutes? And I'll tell you, when I look at my screen time, I've got a lot of percent that I've got that I could free up. Um, and so, uh, you know, to those, to those leaders, to the, to the don't have time, list. We've got a lot of time for a lot of things that probably don't require the amount of time that it takes to get those things done. So the to don't list is, is a great place to start. Yeah. yeah and, and I think even too, like making, making an effort to, to plan that into your agenda, plan mm-hmm. the time to connect, plan yeah. the time to make a moment, plan yeah. it out because I, I do, I get it. A million emails come in, you got things sure. that happen or something just blows up in the factory and you've got to, you've got to attend to that. But yep. if you schedule it out, right? If we if we plan for some success, you're probably mm-hmm. more likely to have some success because yeah. you plan for it. Clint, last thing before I let you go, um, one thing that managers can do right now to become better mentors, that leaders can do to become better mentors, that that people can do to become better individuals at work, to not just perform better, but to connect better too. I think that something that was really interesting is everybody, everybody deserves to be seen, heard, and understood in an organization. But so many times we don't ask. We don't ask as leadership. We come in guns a-blazing and we think we know what everybody wants and what everybody needs. Uh, one thing that we found that great leaders did continuously with their people is they asked them. And they mm-hmm. created what, <laughs> what I call is a status interview. And I know it sounds sure. like, oh my gosh, this is not rocket science. But yeah. it would blow your mind. I mean, you know this, Eric. How many people just don't do it? They don't ask. Right. Uh, in a status interview, I, I call it a status interview because my background's in the medical field. That's what mm-hmm. I did before I did all of this. And in the OR, they call out, you know, what's the status of the patient? Mm-hmm. Give me a status update. Sure. And what they're really referring to, what are the vital signs? Right? right. The heart rate, the respiratory rate, your body temperature, and your blood pressure. If one of those mm-hmm. things is gone, you're dead. Right. 
and the vitals determine treatment. Mm-hmm. Look at the vitals of a human being, and that will tell you how to treat them. Yeah. And then you recheck the vitals, and then sure. you treat them. And you continue that cycle until healthy stability is maintained. I think that every great employee right now deserves a status check. They deserve that status mm-hmm. interview because I think that we are about to see in 2021 the great job churn of everything shifting. Agreed. Fully agreed. It is. It is it's happening. It's 2020 right now. Uh, in 2021, yeah. the tension rates are fairly high because people are still scared. They yep. really were scared and everybody's holding on to their job. They're uncertain. So a lot mm-hmm. of employers are like, ah, oh, we're doing good on the employee retention side. That yep. is about to change. So mm-hmm. I would tell everybody listening to this, if you have a team, employees, you employ anybody, you take your all-star players, the people that you need, and every one of them deserves to be asked these three questions right now. Number one is what can I do as your leader to keep you here? Mm-hmm. I need to know uh, what I can do to keep you engaged. I need to know what I can do to keep you here because we need yep. you. Yep. Number two is what's getting in the way of your success. You know, is it Susie, the manager that's up above that, that makes it feel like you can't advance anywhere in your career? You know, is it, mm-hmm. is it the pay? Is it the schedule? What do I need to do to make sure that you're successful? And then number three is what can I do to help you get there? Yeah. Every employee deserves to be asked those three questions. It will create an opportunity for you to check that status so mm-hmm. that you can treat your people better. I love it, man. I just want to riff on this one sec because like our, our content is so aligned. To me, the status check is the almost like the engagement check. And and I say that because I found myself saying that engagement isn't what we fix. It's what happens when we fix what needs to be fixed. Yeah. Right. And so if engagement is the status, then belonging, trust, safety, community would be the vitals that we need in order to be engaged. And that's essentially what you're saying. But I think another thing that you're saying that is really important that's worth mentioning is that you're not looking across the street to see what somebody else is doing. You're asking internally what these people need. So often we look across the street and say that Google or Facebook or Netflix is doing this. We should too, without realizing that the reason our people here are here is because they love it here and they don't love it there. And that's why we can't be comparing apples to oranges. The best place to work in America last year. Uh, Do you know what it was according to Fortune Magazine? I don't. Hilton, the Hilton Hotel chain. Number two was Ultimate Software. I would go ahead and take a guess that somebody that works at Ultimate Software wouldn't want to be making beds or parking your car at a Hilton. Yeah. And somebody that works at Hilton wouldn't necessarily want to be working in a software company in, in Austin. And this doesn't mean that either of them are bad places to work, but when we compare apples to oranges and we fail to ask inside our organization what we can do to make you feel safer, happier, and achieve our goals, and I think we're missing the mark. When I, I got to riff on Go this ahead. a little bit because yeah. it bothers me. Or when they, when they look at and they read a, a, a book about millennials or they heard a speaker. Someone in our industry drives me insane. And they go, if you have millennials, you mm. have to treat them this way. Oh, millennials want this. They want this. And then yeah. they go and they get the ping pong tables and the Cheetos and the beanbag chairs yeah. and they give everybody right. time off. And then they wonder why everybody still leaves. Mm-hmm. Stop looking at people as a generation and start <laughs> connecting with them as individuals. What a concept, <laughs> yeah. but it is one of the biggest fallacies that we have going on right now in the yeah. workforce. An open office concept is great when dogs are running around until you're an introvert that's allergic to pets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Clint, Clint, we could go on uh, for hours and hours, but I want to be respectful of your time and, uh, and thank you so much for, for, for being here. I, I love it here. I love our chance to, to, to chat and connect. When's the book coming out? Where can people grab it? What do they need to know about this launch? 
Yeah, so the book comes out April 13th, and you can pre-order it on Amazon. And, uh, dude, I just appreciate it, Eric. Man, I appreciate you letting awesome. me be on the show. It's really good to connect, and uh, thanks for letting me be with your listeners. Awesome, man. We'll see you on stage soon. Take care.